0: In Philippians 2, Paul says the Philippians congregation was like a sacrifice, and Paul's ministry was like a drink offering. And that comparison has a whole lot of significance for you this coming Sunday. Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ here 's your host dr. D Richard Ferguson Paul describes the Philippian church ministry with two words sacrifice, and then what 's the other one service it's sacrifice and service coming from your faith now that word service that word refers specifically to the priestly service in the Old Testament. the Greek word liturgia we get our word liturgy from it it 's talking about priestly service see. The priests were the ones who came to the temple, they worked full time in the temple, this was their job, their full time job. They'd come to the temple and minister to the people. They were the ones that actually did the sacrifices, they would slaughter the lamb, put it on the altar. They they also had other roles, they had a teaching role, leadership roles, all kinds of various different things. They were just doing ministry in the temple. And that was their priestly liturgia. That was a priestly service. And Paul uses that word to describe the Philippians. He says he compares the activity of the whole church of Philippi, the stuff that's flowing out of their faith. He, he, he describes those actions as not only a sacrifice that pleases God, but a priestly service that pleases God. Okay? That's the church. That's, what, that's Paul's description of the church. This sermon today is like a theology lesson on, on ecclesiology, churchology, the, the doctrine of the church. Okay, So you're going to learn here about what the church is all about. This is the way Scripture looks at the church. It's a priestly service. Now, just think about that for a second. Does that change the way you think about coming to church at all? To to know that that's what the church is? Think about what that does to our consumer mentality that's prevalent prevalent in our culture when it comes to church. Because, let's face it, we just have this mentality in our culture because we're served everywhere we go right? Everywhere we go, we get customer service. Every business that's in business stays in business with good customer service. If they don't have that, they go out of business. So we just get trained to think I'm a customer. I'm always right. I'm always, you know, serve me and I need good service. So we bring that into the church. What does a what does a customer do? A Customer shops around, finds the place with the best service and stays there until they're no longer a satisfied customer. And then they go take their business elsewhere. We bring that mentality into the church, and what happens? We become customers. Just ask yourself did you walk in here this morning with a mentality of being a customer or a priest? The priest doesn't come into the temple looking to be served, right? He's not thinking, I hope they have good customer service here. He's the one providing the service. An Old Testament Levitical priest didn't ever wake up in the morning and just say, I think i'll just do temple worship in bed today you know he, 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 didn't, he couldn't do that he had to go to the temple and do the service because he was the one serving he went to the place of worship to serve multiple times in the, throughout the new testament we are called priests we're a royal priesthood a kingdom of priests often we're called every single uh, christian is a priest you know how many times in the new testament we're called customers <laughs> I'll let you look it up. No, you just get your concordance. It won't take you long. Zero. Now let me hasten to add something here because I need to say, it's perfectly okay for you to come to church in order to get your spiritual needs met. That's not a bad motive to come to church. Uh, In fact, you absolutely should do that. The Bible calls you to do that. You should come to church to be fed spiritually, to come to learn, to come to church, to be ministered to by all the spiritual gifts. That should excite you the thought that everybody's spiritual gifts are going to be benefiting you and you're going to get grace from God through those. God invites you to that. He invites you to come into His house and receive from Him what He calls a banquet of blessing. That's a good motive. We should do that. My point here isn't isn't that that's bad. My point here is just simply that shouldn't be your only motive for coming to church. It shouldn't be your only objective. The way that spiritual the way that your spiritual needs get met when you come to church is only when all the other people have a priestly attitude, right? And then they're serving you with their spiritual gifts. That's how spiritual needs get met. So the only only way your needs will be met as if other people have a priestly attitude. The only way their needs will be met is if you come in here with a priestly perspective. And even more important than meeting each other's needs in the church is understanding why we're meeting each other's needs in the church. It's not that we just want to be nice people and be philanthropists. We do it to worship God, to offer a sacrifice and a priestly service to God that's pleasing to Him, to honor Him and worship. Now, here's the thing that's really interesting about this. These words, sacrifice and service, are singular, not plural. He's talking about a whole church, and they're singular, not plural. That's interesting, because he's, he's, he's talking about this whole church full of people. He refers to all of their stuff that they're doing as a sacrifice and service. So you take all of the activities of faith, all the expressions of love, all the expressions of worship, all the praise, all the good deeds, all the gifts, all the faith, all the love, everything, every, everything everybody's doing in the church, you put it all together in one, one pile, and you have the Philippian church's sacrifice that they're offering to God. The whole jumble of it, that's their sacrifice of worship. And that makes me wonder. You know, when I was studying that this weekend and I'm thinking about the singular thing, it makes me wonder, what does the Agape Bible Church sacrifice look like? I mean, from the, from the point of view in heaven, what, uh, on a typical Sunday, what actually rises up from the, from the southwest corner of 88th and Huron to heaven on a given Sunday? What does that, what does that look like? Because on an average Sunday, what you've got here are hundreds of expressions of faith, hundreds of acts of righteousness and holiness, uh, gestures of love towards one another, expressions of love for God, all for the sake of Christ. You see that hundreds of those all mixed together with some unrepentant sins, right? Let's face it, you get some times where you get some people on un- unrepentant sin, and they're, that, that's contaminating this sacrifice. On any given Sunday, some of us are doing really well spiritually, some of us are not. Maybe we're rebelling against God, disobeying God. Some have very thorough and deep knowledge of God, others a uh, spiritual maturity level way down low. See, so you just take it all together. You gather it all up, the whole congregation, all of it into one giant pile. That's what we're lifting to God. That's our sacrifice and service from the Agape Bible Church faith. And the main purpose of this verse, beloved, and just hear this. Everybody just look up here for a second. This is important. The main message of this passage is to show us the immense value of that sacrifice. This is something we need to understand about what the church is and how God looks at it. It is more significant. We're going to see here in a minute. This is more significant than the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Paul. the greatest men that ever lived i think that's the significance of the word but at the beginning of verse 17 in verse 16 paul mentions what a horrible thing would be is if all his work got ruined you know all his ministry to the philippian church got spoiled and then they didn't hold firmly to the end to the word that gives life if they end up being like the rocky soil the weedy soil then paul's labor would be for nothing That was a horrifying prospect for him, which is why he worked so hard in ministry. But on the other hand, if they do hold firmly to the word, then Paul is going to be full of joy. Full of joy. Verse seventeen: I am glad, rejoice with all of you. You should be glad, rejoice with me. Glad, glad is the same word in the Greek as rejoice. So it's the same word four times. Cairo. He's just repeating a word; it emphasizes it. it four times. In one sentence, I am joyful and I have joy with you, and you should be joyful and have joy with me. Joy, 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 joy. Just really abounding, exuberant, mutual joy all around. That's the idea. And what he's saying here is that's the case, even if my role in this whole thing is just to be poured out like a drink offering. Now, I believe there's two points of significance to that. First, a drink offering... Here's another thing you need to know about a drink offering. It was typically added to an animal sacrifice that was already an acceptable sacrifice to God. And, the, and when, when he mentioned drink offering, the very first thing that would come to the reader's minds was the daily drink offering that all the Jews just offered. Every morning, every night. Every morning. It was commanded in the law. Exodus 29:38. He says, This is what you're to offer on the altar regularly each day. Two lambs, a year old. Verse 40, with the first lamb, offer a quarter of a hen, that's two quarts, of wine as a drink offering. Sacrifice the other lamb at twilight with the same grain offering and its drink offering, as in the morning. A pleasing aroma, an offering made to the Lord by fire. So the so the lamb was the main sacrifice. That's the main event. That's the big thing. That's the. In fact, a lot of times in, in the Old Testament, you could offer a lamb just all by itself and it would be perfectly acceptable to God an unblemished lamb it was already acceptable to God. That was the main sacrifice. That was the, that was the main thing. It's, it seems like the drink offering was just s- simply an added touch to make what was already pleasing to God a little bit more pleasing to God. Okay, It's kind of icing on the cake of the, sacri- the main sacrifice. That's what a drink offering was and i think that's how paul describes his the relationship of his ministry to the philippian church's ministry the ministry of the philippian church that's the lamb the 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 sacrifice and service coming from the faith of the philippian church that's the lamb on the altar that's their big gift that's a big thing and paul's ministry was just a added touch on the top a drink offering He's not saying your ministry is every bit as significant as my apostolic ministry. What he's saying here is it's more important. What the church is doing is the sacrifice. And what I'm doing as the apostle is a drink offering. Now, the ministry of the apostle Paul was a really, really big deal. Agreed? Any argument with that? I mean, that's huge. The ministry of the local church is an even bigger deal. This is what we need to understand about the, the church. There is nothing greater. There is no greater work. You want your life to have significance and meaning? There's nothing you could do with your life more meaningful, more impactful, more long-term than participating in the work of a local church. Participating in the work of a local church is more significant than serving as the president of the United States. I'm going to say that without equivocation. More important than being a war hero, more important than being a doctor or a philanthropist or a Nobel Prize winning scientist that cures cancer or a famous author or or a preacher or a missionary or even an apostle who writes 13 books of the Bible. The work of the local church is bigger, greater. So what we're doing here as a group today is the lamb. What Paul did, drink offering. That's how Paul... And that's not Paul deprecating the importance of his thing. That's Paul exalting the importance of the church. That's how important the church is. There's no meeting going on anywhere in the world, in White House or in Congress or uh, in, in, in any big boardroom of a big corporate corporation. There's no meeting going on anywhere in the world right now more important than this one, what's going on in this room right here, right now. Most important thing going on in the world. And my question is, what kind of passion would we have for ministry in the church if we really believed that? So Paul's saying, yeah, yeah, I want all my work to be significant on Judgment Day. I want it all to matter. I don't want to get there and find out it was, it was all in vain. I want to be successful. But that's not out of some kind of attitude of self-importance, like I'm Paul, I gotta be important, I gotta be important on Judgment Day. That's not the idea. The reason, he's saying, the reason I want to get to judgment day and have my ministry be a big success, it's not because I want, need to be important. It, I want it to be a success because the Philippian church's sacrifice is pleasing to God, is so pleasing to God that I'll be thrilled to pieces if I can play any little role in making it even a little bit sweeter to God. I don't have to be important. The church has to be a success. And if, I, if all I am is just a little bit of icing on the Philippian cake... I will be absolutely thrilled and honored to play that role. Playing any role at all in getting a congregation of people to hold firmly to the Word that gives life all the way so that they're ready for Judgment Day, nothing in your life is greater than doing that. Playing some role in doing that. Highest thing a human being can aspire to. What is your mentality when you're on the drive to church on Sunday morning? When you walk into the building, do you have a customer mentality? Are you walking in there as a priest of the living God? Do you have a sense of how important this meeting is that you're walking into? A pleasing sacrifice to God that only the church is capable of? How about when you're engaging in whatever your ministry is? Do you see it as a drink offering that makes the church's overall offering to God sweeter? What kind of memory cues could you set up to adjust your attitude and mentality when you go to church? Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.